What's up, Blue Jays fans? Welcome to the podcast, West Coast Blue Jays fans, a podcast by Max Gilarici and Liam Jeffrey, all about the Toronto Blue Jays. We talk about series recaps, player stats, and anything else you want to hear about baseball and Canada's favorite baseball team. This is one of three shows on this podcast feed, and if you are looking for the series all about Vancouver, click on an episode that starts with the letters AFR. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends or even your enemies. We are not picky. It helps to get the podcast out there. Enjoy West Coast Blue Jays fans. What is going on, Blue Jays fans? Welcome to another episode of West Coast Blue Jays fans with Max Killerducci and Liam Jeffrey. Um, we are recording on the unceded traditional territories of the Kwatlin, Kutsi, and Semiamu people. If you want to know whose land you are on, if you are a settler, please go to native-land.ca. All right, Liam, we've had a crazy, crazy week in baseball. Crazy, crazy week in baseball. Like game one was the most insane game. Yeah, that uh, that's one hell of a way for the season to start to give your Blue Jays fans an absolute heart attack from the very first couple innings. And then like only the Blue Jays can absolutely come back with that offense that they have. That was insane. Well, let's start right at the first inning. Um, Jose Barrios got the ball on opening day and uh, he did not last very long. And you know me, I'm very high on Jose Barrios, Um, but he was not looking too good in this first start. He just was missing the zone by by an inch or two and came back to bite him every time that he threw a ball in the zone. It just it seemed like the Rangers were just hitting the shit out of it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that he'd be okay in the long run. I just think that maybe the moment was a little too big for him. I mean, the, the um, huge sold out crowd, all the hype that's behind this team, you know, the, the Blue Jays fans are, I mean, rightfully so, are super excited for this team this season because this is one of the most talented rosters in the entire MLB. And I think that maybe it just kind of got to him with all the, the expectations that were on. I think you'll see in his next start, he'll kind of settle in and he'll go back to being the Jose Brios that we know and that we traded for and signed long-term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so as well. Um, however, he only went through a third of an inning and uh, he gave up four earned runs. And after that, uh, bullpen came in and gave up three more. and. Blue Jays, before they'd even gotten through their second time in the order, they were down 7 nothing in the fourth inning. Um, this is when you saw some crazy stuff happen. The Blue Jays were able to um, get, get it together, and they strung together a bunch of hits in a row, scored three runs, uh, scored a fourth run, and then Teoscar Hernandez uh, came up in the, I want to say, fifth inning and went deep to tie the game 7-7. Yeah, they... Um... I'll be honest with you. I didn't see that coming. I, I, I don't want to say I gave up on the team, but when you go down seven, nothing after whatever, what it was like four innings, I think it was, that's kind of tough to come back from. I mean, Brad Miller lead off home run to start off against uh, Barrios that kind of demoralizes the team. And then when he just, he couldn't even get out going forward. And then, you know, once the bullpen comes in, um, Salcedo, he did okay. He got hit up a bit. Thornton once again, did okay. He got hit up a little bit. It wasn't anything super special. Those guys where they kind of just came in and did their job. Um, but once the Blue Jays bats came alive, I mean, that's the Blue Jays bats that we've been expecting this season, right? Like, I don't even know if, if we could have expected it to be that much in game one, what a comeback though. Like what an absolute comeback. And the obviously capped off by the Teoscar Hernandez home run that tied it up. I mean, what a comeback. <laughs> what a comeback indeed. Um, I think that's pretty much all we have to say about game one. Uh, Romano got a save, which will be important later. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about that. Um, moving on to game two, it was one of the most average baseball games I've ever seen. Um, in his first Blue Jays start, Gosman was completely respectable. And um, they, I believe they were down 3-2 at some point, but then they rallied back with a Bichette home run and took the lead with an Espinal double. Um, Espinal pinch hit double, actually. 
anything you want to talk about from this game? Do you want to talk about Gosman or anything like that? Or yeah, like you said, perfectly respectable. I mean, he he, he got hit around a little bit, but he kind of limited the damage to what it was. So I think his stat line was eight hits, five innings pitched. Um, he didn't walk anyone, which is good to see. Uh, we'll kind of touch on someone in the next couple of games that walks a little bit too much. Um, but you know, eight hits, three and runs. It's like you said, a totally respectable stat line for your first start of the season. Um, I'm really impressed with uh, with Espinal so far. I mean, especially coming on a pinch hit, like he's he's looking really good to start. And um, for a guy that is kind of a potential platoon with Biggio at second base, maybe comes to place at third base if Chapman gets the day off. I mean, if his back can stay fairly consistent, because he was impressive last year. I wasn't sure if he'd be able to maintain that again. But uh, if he can continue his his play like he has start the season, that's a big asset for the Blue Jays coming off the bench or even potentially starting in second. I mean, every year we have these surprises that are like worse than we're expecting. We have some surprises that are better than we're expecting. Um, it's way too early in the season to call it, but I think that an Espinal type player could be like that extra boost that the Blue Jays are kind of looking for near the bottom of their lineup. Um, as you, as you all, as you very well know, I kind of wished that would be Danny Jansen in a way, but right now he's back on the injured list after a pretty hot start. I'm, I'm drinking that Jansen Kool-Aid, but other than that, uh, Espinal and Biggio, I think they're going to be competing for a spot for a while. Um, I'm not quite sure if they're going to stay in the platoon role all season. Like, as we even saw yesterday, um, Espinal started in the game against the righty, uh, Jameson Tyone against the Yankees. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that was a conscious decision. I don't really know Jameson Tyone's stat lines, but I think it is worth noting that Espinal did start in the game versus a righty. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, he's got the trust of Montoyo, and uh, I think that he's not just going to be that guy that goes matchup base. I think he's got a proven enough bat that he can be put in any situation. So I totally agree with that. And as, as far as I know, like, apparently during spring training, he was like one of the first guys on the field every day. He was working with Bichette. He was working with Chapman every morning to try and get his defense down. And he can be that guy who will fill in for you when Bichette needs an off day or, need, or gets injured or Chapman needs an off day or gets injured. He can even play the corner outfielders or the corner outfield. He is a very versatile player. And I think that he is going to be a huge asset for the Blue Jays moving forward. See, I like that kind of player too, because it's like Bijou as well. It's those guys that can play almost every position on the field because it, it, it frees up like bench spots for guys that are more kind of like either a big power back coming off the bench, like a big guy against lefties, a guy against righties. Like it makes it so much easier when you can have a guy that you can plug and play in almost every position for whether a guy's having an off day, whether a guy's getting, you know, he has an injury that pulls him out of the game. Like there's, there's so many different things that can happen that it requires a, a just anyone to step off the bench and step in. And when you have a guy that can play almost every position, it makes it so much easier for the Blue Jays to have those specialized guys as well. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, of course. Um, anything else to say about great game two or should we move on? No, I think we can move on. All right, so time to get into game three. Very promising start to game three. Uh, Ryu was good through three. Uh, the curveball was looking great. He was hitting the fastball locations. Uh, he kind of fell apart after that, but uh, first we got to see a Springer dinger, a Guerrero bomb, a Jansen homer, and a Chapman homer, and that put the Blue Jays up 6-1 early. I was feeling pretty hopeful about that. I uh, I was out, I was out of the house at the time, wasn't watching the game, uh, and then I looked back at my phone and it was seven six Rangers. And I'm like, what happened? So it turns out that Ryu fell apart a little bit in the fourth inning. Um, it was a I, I don't know what the Blue Jays I know what Blue Jays fans are hoping from Ryu this year. I'm I'm hoping for like a 
four, 4.25 ERA kind of guy. Um, I think it's too early to tell whether or not we'll get that yet this year. But so far in his first game, there were signs of greatness. And then there were signs of shakiness that we got to learn later last year. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to get the Ryu that was the the Scion candidate, I don't think. I think that's past him, and that's not what we need out of him because, like we talked about previously, he's the third starter in this rotation and maybe even the fourth starter based off of matchup base because we'll touch on Manoa in a little bit. But you got Burrios, you got Gosman ahead of him. Like He doesn't need to be that Scion candidate. It's just the thing that this Blue Jays team needs and is going to need all season is just consistency in his pitching because the games are going to be won 90% of the time by – one of the best lineups in the MLB. I mean, that's that's no secret to anyone that watches Blue Jays baseball, anyone watches the baseball in general. I mean, the Blue Jays lineup is so potent that they will win you games on their own. We just need the pitching to limit it to not 12 runs a game, right? Like, it's it's tough when you go up 6-1 like that and your pitching just demoralizes you by falling apart and four, top of the fourth, another six runs right there and all of a sudden the game is, is lost in inside of four innings when you're up by so much. I mean, the Blue Jays also, and and it can't be no, it can't be kind of brushed away the fact that they lit up Spencer Howard, and then just nothing against the bullpen of the of the Rangers. And the bullpen of the Rangers isn't some impressive bullpen. They kind of just whatever happened, the bats just turned off the rest of the game. It was almost like once the fourth inning came, like a switch flipped, and they just stopped playing on offense. It was it was a really weird game, but at the same time, it was the third game of a series. It's the beginning of the season. I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, and as you very well know, like when you're out in the field for a solid half hour watching your pitcher get lit up, it's hard to kind of get something going in the box uh, when you when you get when you finally get to the other side of the ball. So I mean, it's kind of understandable, and I think that this team will kind of learn to manage that throughout the year whenever one of their starting pitchers has a bit of a shaky start. Um, but other than that, two and one is not is nothing to is nothing to scoff at to start the season, especially against the Texas Rangers. You want to. You want to go out there, you want to win your first series of the season, and the Blue Jays did exactly that. It just wasn't a sweep. Absolutely. I agree. Right. And I think that about caps on the Rangers series. Um, one thing to note is that the Blue Jays bats were absolutely hot. They hit so many different they said they hit so many home runs. Uh they were scoring, I think they scored a total of I want to say like 28 runs in the first three games of the season, which is pretty insane. Um other than, or no, wow, that's not close at all. Uh, 22, 22 runs in the first three <laughs> games of the season. So that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good for a team. Uh, they had their they had the whole city of Toronto behind them. Um, people watching across the country, obviously. Um, and then they started their second series yesterday against the New York Yankees in the Bronx. Um, we it was a very very good game pitching wise. Uh, Manoa was great. Alec Manoa. He only gave up one hit and. He looked pretty solid, minus that one inning where he walked the bases loaded. I think a lot of that had to do not with nerves or anything like that. But I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go ahead. I'm gonna blame this one on the mound and the weather in New York because, mm-hmm. as both saw on the TV last night, it was, it was, it was pretty rainy out there. He was clearly having some a bit of trouble with the mound, and he was pulling his pitches. Um, any anything you want to touch on about Manoa? No, he looked great. Like like you said, just the walks was the only really problem with that. But, I mean, he completely shut down that Yankees lineup, and that's one of the best lineups in the league, just like the Blue Jays are. So, um, I, I mean, I, I had high hopes for Manoa this season. I, I don't want to say that I expected that, but I was hoping for something similar to that just because, like, the way he started out last year, he had a fairly limited sample size, not a full season, but he looked incredible during it. And um, I, I, w- I was interested to see if he kind of 
keep going where he left off or if it was going to be a little bit different. And from the looks of that, it's going to be a business as usual for Manoa, which is extremely, extremely exciting. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about a certain Canadian closer in a couple minutes, but a pretty big shout out to uh, Trevor Richards and Adam Simber as well for getting a solid six outs to bridge the gap to, bridge the, gap to the closer. Um, Simber himself got five outs, which is huge when your bullpen is as taxed as it already was from the Rangers series. So that's pretty good. Uh, three, nothing shutout is pretty good against the Yankees and the Bronx, right? Um, uh, on the offensive side, uh, Springer, Espinal and Teo all had great games. They all had three hits each with Springer providing all, all three of the RBIs for the Blue Jays and Gurry was the only other one to get a hit for a total of nine, uh, nine or sorry, 10 hits total. Um, Espinal had another great game. There's no denying that. Uh, man is off to a great start to the season. And Teoscar Hernandez, I think, sneakily has like a 400 to 500 batting average to start the season as well. Yeah, I, I'd love to see that stay, right? We'll see if that can uh, hold up over a whole season. I think he's the kind of hitter that can really hit 500 on a season. But uh, I'll just... Sorry, go ahead. Um, I think that... Uh, I think that this offense, like, it's, it's going to be a real battle between the Yankees and the Blue Jays because both of the teams have such great offenses. Um, I know that in our first episode, you picked the uh, Red Sox to finish ahead of the Yankees. And um, I, I, obviously, it's so early to say because anything can happen. It's a full baseball season, 162 games. But just watching the Yankees play, I mean, I think that that's going to be the, the main competition for the Blue Jays this season. Um, Tyone did a really good job holding the, the Blue Jays in check, which was impressive. But... Um, I think it's going to be some amazing battles this season between the Yankees and the Blue Jays. It's going to be a, a hell of a season between those two. I could not could not agree more. Um, before we move on to any other topics, is there one player that you think has done a great job over the first four games and another player that you'd like to see more out of? Uh, well, I mean, I think that, I mean, off the, off the first look, George Springer's been awesome to start the season. He was our, all of our offense yesterday. Um, he... You know, he drove in all three of the runs, leadoff home run, leadoff double. He's going to be that guy at the top of the lineup that it, as long as he can stay healthy, he's going to be the exact kind of player that we were we were hoping for um, last year because he just – he sets the tone for the lineup at the very top. He's just so strong with the bat. He's so strong defensively. He brings a veteran leadership to the club. And if he can just continue doing what he's doing, I mean, he's going to be just so impressive with his team. Um, guy that I think – uh, you know, the lineup has been really impressive so far. I guess I'd say it's kind of easy pickings, but I guess Barrios is disappointing after his first start. I don't I don't know if that's really fair to say just because it was one outing, so pitchers are kind of easier to pick on. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe there's, Chapman's bat's not been great to start. Guriel's bat's not been great to start. It's it's just tough because it's only been a four-game start, right? It's it, Guys start out slow, guys start out hot. It's really difficult to just single out a couple of guys, but... Um, I feel I feel like this I feel like this little segment will become a bit easier once the season goes on and we can kind of talk about different bats and gloves from week to week. But you're right with the first four games of the season, it's really hard to pick out certain players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on, uh, a, a big piece of news is that uh, Romano beats Pat Henke's record of 25 consecutive saves, which set a new franchise record. And it's pretty cool that the guy who sets the new franchise record is from Marco Ontario. I love that. Yeah, I love Romano. I love I've loved him since he steps into that role, and he's been awesome for the Blue Jays. So we get a Canadian to set a, a Canadian record. I love it. I think it's pretty cool that um, 
Well, I, I don't know how many people have noticed this, but I think he stopped doing the squat before he pitches now, which I mean, kind of takes away from a, an aspect of the charm, but like, obviously it's been very effective for him as he's converted 26 straight saves, um, which is really what you want out of, the, out of your closer at the end of the day. And like, he's not, he's not Eric Gagne or anything, but you know, he's going to go out there every day and he's going to provide you with their reliable inning. When you're up two or three runs, you feel a little bit safer with Romano out there than you would with any other pitcher on this team. Absolutely. There's a reason that he's in that starting role or that closer role. Sorry. Um, and you know, he just, he brings that kind of stability. When you see him come out of the bullpen, you feel confident. You're not like a, <clears throat> you don't have that volatile closer that's coming out that you're like, Oh boy, here it goes again. Right. He's a, he's a consistent guy. He might not necessarily go there and blow the doors off of every guy he sees, but he gets the job done and that's all you need. That is really all you need. And congrats Jordan Romano for setting the Blue Jays uh, franchise save record or consecutive save record. Um, Moving on, uh, I want to talk about Danny Jansen for a little bit. Um, before he went down, Jansen was batting 500, hit two home runs, and was catching some good baseball. Um, unfortunately, he is down on the 10-day IL with a left oblique strain. Um, obviously, you know that Jansen's one of my favorite players. Um, I want to see him thrive. I've been watching him on this team since 2018, and I just want to see him do well. And unfortunately, this injury is going to set him back a couple of weeks and it's going to kind of move into a different topic that we want to also talk about um, with um, trades and catching and all that. Um, but anything on the Jansen injury or how what you've seen of Jansen this week? No, it's terrible. It's awful timing for him. I mean, he's been probably the best hitter on the on the team so far to start the season out. Like he was 571, 625 on base percentage, had two home runs. Like he was just, he was hitting the hell out of the ball. Um, and what a terrible time for him to get injured. We were kind of wondering yesterday, we were talking about it because he just wasn't in the lineup. And we're like, what's going on? Like, he's been so hot. And then you see that he gets put on the 10-day IL, and it's like, is this just going to be the story of Danny Jansen's career? As every time he starts to get hot, an injury happens, and then he comes back, and he's kind of middling, and then he gets hot, and then an injury happens. I mean, it's it's super, super important. Or it sucks for him, but it sucks for Blue Jays fans as well. I mean, he's the, the catcher position has got so much – um debate around it because with Kirk with Jansen Gabe Moreno coming up Zach Collins getting traded for there's no real solidified starter so when a guy kind of takes it and runs with it and then as soon as he, he's looking good he gets injured it just before there's the debate right there's just no there's no solid ground for the catcher position when this keeps happening well it also just begs the question like um what is how is this going to affect starting pitching? Like, how is this? I don't think it's going to affect Rios too much because I think that guy can throw to anyone. But how is this going to affect Ryu? Like, we know that him and Jansen have a great relationship, and he Jansen kind of helps ground him catching. And I heard that Kikuchi likes throwing to Jansen as well. How is that going to affect him? So we know that Kirk and or sorry, we know that um, Manoa and Gosman love throwing to Kirk, but the other three starters are kind of relying on throwing to Jansen right now. Who And he's a great defensive catcher for all the offense he has brought over the last, I want to say two months, just because of like, I'm going to, I'm going to go back into the last season, but I'm just wondering how this is going to affect the starting pitching as well. Yeah. I think that the guys will be able to, um, to, you know, build a report with the catcher so far. It might be, make take a little bit of time. And he's, he's only in 10 day IL. So, Hopefully the injury is not too bad to the point where he just keeps getting like extended and pushed back because if it's only like a, a fairly short stint on the IL, maybe a little bit longer than 10 days, maybe just the 10 days, then he should be back in short order. Um, but I think that these guys, you know, they, they're all professionals. They'll all be able to sort it out with Kirk and maybe 
maybe they find out that they really like uh, Zach Collins and he just comes in as a defensive guy for them, hits nine stick or whatever, and uh, and brings that lefty bat to the lineup. So um, I, I think we'll be okay. Maybe it'll show a little bit in the first couple starts for them, but I think that ultimately we'll be okay with that. I think that provides a great bridge to the next topics that you uh, that you really want to talk about. So um, do you guys want to go ahead and give her? Yeah, so we got three trades that we've had for the team since um, the uh, since the last episode that we talked about. The first one was the Randall Tapia versus, uh, for Randall Gritchick trade. Um, this trade I was okay with because, you know, Gritchick, he was on a fairly big contract for the Blue Jays. He was just going to be that platoon guy. So he wasn't really bringing ton to the um, – to the Blue Jays, he was, you know, he had a powerful bat, but he would strike out a little bit too much. Um, and Tapia has been, he's an interesting player. He's been a career below average <clears throat> OPS plus guy. But the weird thing with him is that he just, he hits the ball hard. He just doesn't hit it in the air. Like he doesn't strike out very much. His career's averages were lower the last couple of seasons in his entire career. He's got a below average striker percentage, but he just, he just doesn't hit the ball in the air. It's always on the ground. If he could just change that up, he can become a, a really solid bat for, but I mean, I'm hoping that's something that the, the Blue Jays can work on and kind of ch- switch around with them because, you know, I, I, I don't hate it because I didn't, I, I didn't have too high hopes for Grichik. Um, so it's kind of just like a one for one, whatever, but if Tapia can really be, be sorted out and he can start hitting the ball in the air more than on the ground, then I think he can be a really valuable contributor to this team. You got any thoughts on that? I think that the true test for Tapia will come when an injury comes to Gurriel, Hernandez, or Springer, because injuries will happen. Um, and Tapia is going to have to try and fill that everyday role for one of these guys. And it kind of will establish how fans feel about him. Like, that's kind of what happened with Gritchick. Like, Gritchick was the guy that would fill in for any of the three of them when one of the other three got injured. And I think that's kind of when fans kind of were down on Gritchick because he wasn't providing the same kind of offense that like Springer could provide because like Springer's a 900 OPS guy, right? And it's kind of hard to replicate that when you're sitting on, when your ass is on the bench the entire season. So Tapia is not going to provide the same offensive output. He's a defense first kind of guy. He can provide you some speed on the base paths. He will score from first on a double. And I think that he's not going to become a fan favorite per se, but he will definitely provide a bit more offense than I think Blue Jays are hoping for out of the four spot. Like he's not going to hit 30 home runs like Richard did, but he he can be a guy that will steal you 20 bases. He's a guy that can hit at a 275 clip. We'll get on base. That's about it. He's not going to hit a high slugging. He's not going to have a high OPS plus, and he's not going to hit the ball in the park because his career negative law, his career launch angle is a negative four. So that's, so that's what I mean, right? Like he's got the, the tools to be a better hitter than he is, but for whatever reason, he has like an absurdly low launch angle. Like it's, it's the worst in the ML or the worst, the lowest in the MLB. And it's like by a significant margin. Like it's just, it's bizarre. He just has such a, it's such a unique thing with him and he can be a better hitter, but he's just, I don't know. Hopefully the Blue Jays can sort that out. Well, I'm looking at his baseball reference right now and his, his hard hit percentage in 2018 is 20, 26.8, 2019 it's 34.4, 2020 30.2. Um, 2021, 37 point or 31.7. Like this guy's how every, every, like every one out of three balls that this guy hits is absolutely smoked. And he keeps driving them into the ground with his yeah. ground ball percentage. Should, like his ground ball percentage last year was 67.5. Mm-hmm. He hit yep. the ball on the ground two thirds of the time and he doesn't strike 65. out. Like it's, it's a double play threat. Like, I mean, no more than Gritchick. 
He's no more of a double play threat than Gritchick was, especially because he can beat out some of those. But, like, I don't know. Maybe he can work with Guillermo Martinez and try and figure something out. Maybe he just needed a change of scenery. I think so. I, 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 and that's out of the three trades. That's the one I like the most. I think that, that one's got some upside to it, and I don't, I don't hate it. Now we well, get let's on go to the, the two trades you like the least. Um, yeah, let's get on to the Collins from McGuire. Just go ahead and rant. So, I hate this trade so much. I hate this trade for so many reasons. One, I look at it on the surface of it, it doesn't even make sense. Like Zach Collins, he's been in the league. This is going to be his fourth season in the league. He's in his age 27 season. He's been a below average OPS plus guy. So he played 78 games last season with Chicago, hit 210, 330 on base percentage, OPS plus of 85. I mean, you look at his uh, his batting splits. He struck out 30% of the time. And he, he walked a decent bit, I guess, but I, I don't see that being enough to justify the trade. He walked 14.7% of the time. But 30% strikeout rate, which is already too high. Um, he doesn't bring like he, he doesn't bring much to the team other than another catcher. But the problem was we didn't need another catcher. If it was a, a McGuire for a different position, maybe a platoon guy, maybe an outfielder, maybe a, an arm in the bullpen. OK, I can see it. But we traded a catcher for a catcher and we just traded an inferior catcher for another catcher. Like, I don't understand what the what the upside for this trade was. It was almost I'm like gonna, was, I'm going to say it. you're going to hate me for saying it. He has options. He can get sent down to AAA. McGuire could. So that's, I guess that's it. When this trade first happened, we looked at it and we thought maybe this was going to be the the way to open it up a spot for Jose Ramirez. That's not happening now that he signed that big deal. So was there a reason that they were trying to free up the spot, or was it just maybe for Gabriel Moreno to come up? I just I don't understand losing a player that had more value for Zach Collins. Who just I I guess maybe it's a lefty bat. Like is that it? McGuire was a lefty. Yeah, it doesn't even make sense. Like, I do you have any other than the options? Do you see anything in this trade that makes sense to me? Because I I'm I, I'm looking at the advanced metrics right now, and I'm not seeing much. He hits the ball hard. He gets on base. He doesn't hit for a high average, and he strikes out a ton. And that's that's Zach Collins for you. Apparently, he provides like plus defense. We haven't seen that yet because so far he's only gotten to the game as a DH. Don't know what happened there. But I guess they just wanted to throw in a lefty bat into the lineup. I know that you were not happy about that, but that that happened. Um, but I don't know. Like I would have rather seen Biggio in the lineup that day, not to knock Zach Collins or anything. But I think he might have to prove himself to Blue Jays fans a little bit because, I mean, even though McGuire was the third string catcher, Blue Jays fans liked him. He provided decent offense for them last year when Kirk and Jansen were both on the aisle. So I think we should just move on unless you have anything else to say about Zach Collins. The only thing I got to say is I'd love to see him prove me wrong because he's a Blue Jay now and I'm going to be rooting for him every at-bat he has. And I'd love to see him prove me wrong. Well, speaking of people who need to prove you wrong, let's talk about Bradley Zimmer. Yeah. So another one that doesn't make much sense to me. So Bradley Zimmer, he's a, what, I think 29, 30 year old now. Um, Once again, career OPS plus below 100. He's been a below average hitter in every season that he's been in the MLB. Um, he looking at his, his metrics again, 8.6 walkout or walkout, 8.6 walk percentage to 35% strikeout last year. That is a terrible, terrible split for him. Strikes up 35% of the time. He's providing, uh, getting on base 325, a 227 batting average. OPS is 669. I mean, he's, he hit eight home runs, 35 RBIs. The only thing that he really brings that I can see off the top of is the 15 stolen bases that he had last year. 
but I don't think that that's nearly enough to justify bringing one of the team. Like he just, he's a below average bat again. Like, am I missing some spectacular defense? I don't remember him being a particularly amazing defender. Do you? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, I've heard that he's a pretty decent uh, defender. I mean, I'm not a Guardians fan, so I don't really watch their games other than when the Blue Jays are watching them or when the Blue Jays are playing them. Um, he has decent BABIP stats. So, like, when he hits the ball, it usually ends up as, it, like, it ends up as a hit more often. Um, but he strikes out a ton. He hits the ball on the ground way too much. I mean, I don't know. It's It was a very weird trade, trading a bit of bullpen depth for essentially a fifth I don't know, sixth outfielder, Biggio, Biggio and Espinal, who can also play the corners. So, and you also have Gosuke Kato, who can also play the corner outfield positions. So, I don't, I don't really know what this was. I mean, I trust Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins because, I mean, they've built this team from virtually nothing. But, anyways, I don't, I don't really know what else to say about Bradley Zimmer. He can yeah, be a I mean, fun and- time. The, the comeback for the Bradley Zimmer trade was Anthony Castro. And Anthony Castro is nothing special of the bullpen, but at the same time, like he's the, the bullpen is it's so unproven for the Blue Jays that you trade a guy and it gives you one less player that can break out for them, right? I'm not saying that Anthony Castro is 100% going to be that guy, but any blue, any any extra bullpen arm, and he's still young. I think he's in his age 27 season. He's still a young guy. He's only in his third season in MLB, so he's got time to grow. I mean, you just lose a guy that has potential to step up and be a better player for a guy that's had consistent time in the MLB that has been consistently below average at what he does. Yeah, and it's like it's like these depth signing or these depth trades for the Blue Jays, and it's like we're trading a depth guy for a depth guy, but the depth guy we're getting back is worse than the depth guy we're giving away, and he's older, and just I don't get it. There's, there's got to be something we don't see because they, they, they don't make moves unless it's calculated. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe Zach Collins will come out and hit 20 home runs for them this year. Who knows? But I, I don't, I don't, I don't know at this point anymore. <laughs> Is Collins to replace Grichik? I don't know. <laughs> it better not be. It better not be. Um, oh moving on, I just wanted to touch on how the entire league has been getting some pretty rough starting pitching to start the year. And I think that's just because like, I think it's just, I think it's because at this point, when you shorten your spring training, it gives pitchers less time to get ready. They had like 22 days to get a spring training going. So I think that it will take the pitchers a first, uh, a few couple starts to warm up and kind of sucks for the Blue Jays because they're playing the Yankees. They're playing the Astros. They're playing the Red Sox in their first two weeks of the season. So Honestly, I'd be very happy if over the next few weeks they go 500. I mean, I'm hoping for better than that um, because the schedule will get a little bit easier. The schedule will even out. Um, but we haven't seen Kikuchi pitch yet. But other than that, the first four guys seen, I want to see a little bit more from the starting pitching. Um, any thoughts? Yeah, like you said, it's the, the first starts around, I don't put too much weight into them, especially with the short and spring training. Um, we got a, our bullpen, our, our rotations, like a bunch of proven guys other than Manoa. So it's not like these guys are a whole bunch of rookies or a whole bunch of sophomores that are still trying to prove themselves. I mean, Ryu's been around for a long time. He's proven that he's strong. Barrios has proven he can be a number one guy. Gossman had a great season last year, and he's been around for a while. So he can proven that he's at least a solid starter, if not even the guy he was last year. So, you know, it'll take a start or two to get into it. I don't think that that's going to be what the Blue Jays rotation is going to be going forward. I think they'll just slowly settle into the role. I am really excited to see Kikuchi pitch because he actually has a start today. Um, so I'm excited to see what he brings to the team. What would be a perfect Kikuchi start for you today? First start of the season, what do you want to see from him? 
limit the damage against the uh, against the Yankees. I don't expect nearly what uh, what Manoa did because Manoa has the potential to shut down lineup like he did yesterday. He also has the potential to walk seven guys, and he kind of gave us a little bit of both yesterday. Um, but Kikuchi, I don't know, gives us like five innings pitch, three runs. Two runs. Yeah, two or three runs. That's that's kind of what my expectations for Kikuchi. I'm not expecting him to go shut the door. I'd be very happy if he did, but as long as he doesn't go get the doors blown off of him by this Yankees lineup, I'll be happy. Yeah, no. Um, as long as we don't see like back-to-back-to-back home runs from Donaldson, <laughs> Judge, and Stanton, I'm yeah. pretty happy. Exactly. I, I mean, I, I want him to throw like five, six innings of two, three runner involved. And I think that's a good benchmark for him to start the season as a good number five starter. Totally agree. Yep. A um, couple more topics to talk about. Um, Michael Conforto, very weird. Remained. It's, it's weird that he's remained inside, like to this point. Like he's a great ball player, um, played for the Mets for the past six years. It's weird that he hasn't even re-signed with the Mets. I, I wonder if there's actually something going on there. Yeah, we talked about this kind of off uh, off the podcast before. Um, I wonder if, like you said, there's there's either some, you know, I don't want to say criminal stuff, but like it's obviously I don't want to call a guy for something that there's literally no rumors to whatsoever. But there's got to be something, either a character issue or he's being really stubborn in the team that he's picking or just he's injured. Or he's injured, yeah, or there's something with the vaccination status. There's so many things like that that it could be because we're just – it's almost like radio silence on him. There's rumors of who's a favorite, who's not a favorite, but there's been really little substantial rumors about where he's going to go. And for a a guy of his caliber, he's a left-handed bat, something that the Blue Jays could absolutely use. Um, He's a a good player. He's not just some some scrub coming off the bench that's just going to, you know – throw a left-handed bat in the lineup just for the sake of having a left-handed bat in the lineup. I mean, you look at his career splits, he's a career above uh, a career plus hitter OPS pluses of 148, 122, 127, 154. Like he's a, he's a plus plus hitter for whatever team he comes to. So he's going to provide instant offense. So the fact that he's not signed yet, I mean, there's gotta be something more to it than what we see. Yeah, no. And I mean, he's provided just so much offense over his career that it's just bizarre that someone like the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers haven't snatched him up on a one-year deal because that's right up their alley. But I don't know. I think that he could be looking for like a prove yourself deal and try to get the big contract next year because he could get like the five-year hundred million that we saw Castellanos sign for earlier in the off season. So I don't I don't really know what else to say about Conforto. Like he's a good player. I mean, I'd much rather have him than Bradley Zimmer on my team. I don't think yeah, the Blue Jays will sign yeah. him, but I would love to have know. Conforto because that's a great left-handed bat that the Blue Jays sorely need, right? If that's gonna be the left-handed bat that comes in in DHs rather than Zach Collins, then I'll be really happy about that because that's a bat that's actually gonna provide offense to this team. And I mean, obviously offense isn't our biggest need, but just mixing it up instead of seeing eight right-handers versus one left-hander at the bottom of the lineup. Mm-hmm. I, I also, you know, look at it, and I talked to you about this before. When you see the lineup coming out on opening day and it's eight straight righties and then Bijou at the ninth hole, why don't put a little bit ahead to break up that? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't need yeah. to be one through eight is righties. Like, let's break it up a little bit. He's he's not the worst hitter on that lineup. And I think that, you know, just getting a lefty bat to kind of throw off the pitcher a little bit helps a bit instead of having him at the very, very bottom. But that's yeah. why I'm not a manager. Yeah, I mean... I trust Charlie Montoya. I know a lot of people don't, but he's coached this team from a 67 win team to a 
91 win team. So I think, I think the Blue Jays are in good hands this year. Um, I believe that you have a message you want to share before, before we go. I do. Yeah. So I just want to say a quick uh, hello to my buddy, Josh. And I also want to say um, Nina, did you know that Blue Jays uh, actually rub ants on their feathers as well as the pigment found in Blue Jays feathers is actually brown, not blue. So that one's for you, Nina. Thank you. I feel like we should make uh, facts about actual Blue Jays a thing every week. I think that'd be pretty funny. That'll be how we end every podcast. Yeah, we talk about a Blue Jays fact. There you have it, folks. Your Blue Jays fact of the week right there. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, uh, Liam. And uh, every 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 week when we talk, we're, we're hoping to talk about the, uh, the Blue Jays every week. Uh, the team, not the bird. Um, and the bird, as, bird well. as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, uh, solid first solid start to the season um three and one's better than one and three and that's all i gotta say yeah blue jays have historically started out slow on opening day so even if it wasn't pretty they got the win and that's all that i care about if you like the pod tell a blue jays fan um other than that uh see you guys next week